Hey friends, I know how busy this time of the year is. And as much as I love home-cooked meals, sometimes there is just not enough time. But I have good news for you. Factor offers delicious, ready-to-eat meals, which can make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with your pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals, so you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They have snacks and smoothies and more. There's a wide variety of options and 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that will help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So head over to factormeals.com forward slash swanson50 and use code swanson50 to get, you guessed it, 50% off. That's code Swanson50 over at factormeals.com forward slash Swanson50, and you're going to get 50% off. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Yay for that. I'll be linking over in show notes as well, but go check it out and tell me how you enjoy your Factor meals. Christian Parenting. Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Busyness is when my family has a lot of things on our calendar, right? We have a wana at church on Wednesday nights. We have piano lessons and violin and gymnastics. Curry is when all those things on our calendar is scheduled so closely together that we're sprinting from one thing to the next without time to listen to each other or hear our own thoughts, right? Busyness is when I got a lot of errands to run, hurry is when I get mad about choosing lane three instead of lane four at the grocery store because I don't have 30 seconds to spare. Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I am really excited to share this interview with Jordan Rayner, who is the author of Redeeming Your Time, Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and Wildly Productive. Jordan calls this an antidote to swamped to-do lists and hurried schedules. Anyone out there have those? I know that describes me much of the time, so this conversation was probably more for me than anyone. Now, I have really enjoyed talking about the new year here. We've already had a few episodes talking about habits. And what I love is all this stuff is so good to pass on to our kids. We need it, yes, as moms, as busy moms, working moms, um, raising kids, homeschooling, whatever you might be doing. This is super important. But even more, as we model this and talk about it, we are transferring such important life principles onto our children. And this can benefit them as students, as athletes, and then they can take these lifestyle habits into their futures. It's going to help them be more productive and present and all the good stuff we hope for them for a lifetime. So I hope you see this as helpful in your parenting as well as helpful for you personally. 
personally. Now, I know that we've had some of these more general conversations, but we have lots of specific boy-mom-related things coming up in the months ahead. And so if you're raising up little boys, you are in the right place. I hope you feel so at home here. And this makes me also think of a recent review over on the Apple Podcasts um, where there are ratings and reviews. If you haven't left one yet, I'd love it if you would. But here is a recent review from C. Patterson 13. She titled it Love Monica and All Her Guests. She gave the podcast five stars and she wrote the Boy Mom book literally changed my life and the direction of my parenting. Thank you. And you have a forever reader in me. C. Patterson 13, thank you so much. That means the world to me. And it really reminds me that this podcast was born out of my book, Boy Mom, which I know many of you have read. But if you haven't, I hope you can read it and it can encourage you in your parenting this year. Everything I do, it is my heart to really support and encourage moms raising up their kids. And again, if you're a boy mom, we've got some awesome episodes lined up for this spring that you're not going to want to miss. So please do spread the word about this podcast. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you just hit follow on your phone in your podcast app, wherever you like to listen. Okay, guys, so excited about this conversation. Jordan has a ton of energy. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author, and he has helped millions of Christians around the world connect the gospel to their work through his Call to Mastery podcast, devotionals, and other books. So I think you're going to love him. His energy is contagious. So hold on tight. Hope you get a lot out of this, and I'll have a few final words to say at the end. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. As a girl dad, I'm <laughs> right? very honored to be here, Monica. Thanks for having me. It's so much fun. I love it. And I'm excited to hear a little bit about your girls too. In fact, why don't we just dive right into that? Tell us who you are, yeah. where you are, and about your family too. Yeah. So Jordan Rainer, based in Tampa, Florida, married to my wife, Kara, for 12 years. And we have three little girls Ellison, who's seven, Kate, who's five, and Emery, who is two. Uh, on the professional front, I spend 100% of my time and energy um, helping Christians connect the gospel to the work they do in the world, inside and outside of the home. That's my mission, helping us all see that every minute we have is for, for the glory of God and the good of others, which is really kind of the impetus for this book, helping us redeem our time towards those ends. Wow. I love it. You're a busy guy. Well, I've been listening to your podcast. And oh, thanks. I, totally. And I think that there's something in there for everybody. I know, you know, you talk a lot about productivity and things that at first you might think, oh, this is for entrepreneurs or business people. But no, I think that the things you talk about and the interviews you have, I was just listening to Randy Alcorn, who I love, and and you really um, have a lot of great stuff to share. And of course, you've been on many other podcasts, but one that I was catching up on is my friend Gwen Smith and her yeah. um, Graceology podcast. Graceology. I remember that one well. That was such a fun interview. Yeah. That was super fun. And I laugh because I've been on her podcast and I am terrified of her. What do we, I always call her fast and furious round where she asks the questions at the beginning. But um, <laughs> It's intense. It is intense. It is. But I'll, I'll link to that as well as, as your podcast and a few other favorites in our show notes. But, um, but I did hear in there that you uh, like to go to Maui, right? I love to <laughs> Maui. Maui's incredible. Yeah. And you even love the same place as we do. In fact, for our honeymoon. Really? And before we moved to Hawaii 20 years ago, which dates us a little bit here, but we first would go to the North Shore of Maui because we were windsurfers. But what do you love about the North Shore of Maui? 
Oh my gosh, everything. Uh, so there <laughs> is, I, I love the town of Paia. Paia is um, the best. An, there's an amazing hotel. I think there's only okay. one hotel there, but it's called the Paia. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I don't yeah. think we've ever stayed there. We used to just stay in, you know, little VRBOs or whatever back in the oh, day. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's terrific. It's one of the best hotels I've been to. <gasps> oh. uh, and there's also a great, um, there's a great pizza place right next door. Yeah. Yeah. Called Flatbread Pizza Company. Which uh-huh. is huge in the northeast of the United States, like Rhode Island, Mass, uh, really? Maine, whatever. Yeah, huge. And then there's this random location in Maui, and it's just glorious. Wow. It's like wow. one of the best pizzas I've ever had. Yeah. And isn't it Paia Fish Market so good? Oh, Those fish sandwiches spot. on the corner. Oh my goodness, yeah. we love Paia. Yeah, so, so we used to go there. We used to windsurf on the North Shore of Maui, and we always imagined we would end up living there, but things led us to the North Shore of Oahu instead. So have you been to the North Shore of Oahu, Jordan? I have, and it's incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I had to check. Yeah. I had to yeah, check. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It's got its own vibe, but okay, next time next time you make it to Oahu, we'll have to give you our own yes, little tour. It'd be so that would, that would be super fun. Okay, I had to touch on that. Now get back to telling us a little bit more about you and all the things that you do. You've written a few books, right? There's tell a few us, things going on. Tell us a little on. more yeah. about your background. Tell us what you've done kind of professionally leading up to now. Yeah. So I spent the first 10 years of my career uh, as a software entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur. I started and sold a couple of different companies. Uh, and it was kind of through that journey that I woke up to the biblical narrative of work and, and what scripture says about the work that we do outside the four walls of the church as entrepreneurs, as marketers, as plumbers, as carpenters, as mothers, as fathers, and how that import, how that work is important to God and to his redemptive purposes in the world. Uh, so that's a little bit about my professional background. And, uh, you know, I've spent my whole career really, really obsessed with this topic of time management, right? Because I believe what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 16, that part of our response to the gospel is to redeem the time, right? That's exactly where mm-hmm. this phrase comes from, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's really what brought me to this topic and, and feeling like there was a need for a gospel-centric resource on this perennial challenging topic. Oh, man. Yes. Amen to that. And and more so all the time, I feel like the world's just spinning faster and everybody's taking on more. And oh, I love that. So some of your past writing... Yeah, so uh, first book that came out in 2017 was called To Create. I uh, published a book with Waterbrook called Master of One. And I'm with Waterbrook, uh, Penguin Random House's Christian imprint on a, on a five-book deal right now. You're a Waterbrook author, right, Monica? I am. Boy Mom Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yes, Boy Mom. Yes. Uh, so I'm with Waterbrook on a five-book deal right now. Uh, so Redeeming Your Time. And then we got a children's book coming out in April, my oh, first one, yay. which we're okay. super excited about for my little girls and for mm. all your little boys. Uh, <laughs> That's called, right. Called the, called the Creator in You, which is just helping our kids to see that the work they do in school, the work they do creating in the home and creating art, the work they'll do one day in the future is a means of reflecting the character of the Creator God. Mm, I love that. Okay. We're going to have to have you back on to talk about that. That sounds so good. Yeah. So yeah. So the background that kind of brought me to this book uh, is, again, I've read a lot of books in this time management category. I I would argue the most cluttered category of books in the world. And, you know, I've always had two really big problems with those books. You know, first, they tend to be centered on what I call works-based productivity. 
right? Nearly every time management book mm-hmm. says, hey, busy moms, dads, busy professionals, you're feeling swamped. Um, follow my steps and then you will find peace. Yeah, I'm calling garbage on this. As Christ followers, <laughs> we start with peace. Romans 5.1 says we have peace with God, ultimate peace in this life, even amidst the swamped and the craziness of life. Now, we mm. do time management exercises X, Y, and Z, but not to get peace, but in response mm. to the peace we've already been Ooh, given. So that was the first point of distinction I really wanted to make in this book. The second is, you know, I've never read a time management book that accounted for how the author of time managed his time when he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. This is crazy, right? Like Jesus was confined to the same 24-hour time period that you and I are confined to during his 33 Mm -hmm. years on earth. Mm -hmm. And he was the most productive person who ever lived. Mm-hmm. We would be insane not to read the Gospels for the biographies that they are, not just for their theology and for their ethics, but as biographies so that we could see how Jesus walked. And no, Jesus didn't have Instagram, right? He didn't have it to do with sort of calendar, <laughs> but the Gospels show him dealing with distractions at work and fighting for solitude and seeking to be busy without being hurried, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's what this book is all about. So looking at his life, what are the timeless principles that we can extract and emulate as we seek to redeem our own time in the model of our Redeemer? That's right. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a book or anything really point that out and, and follow Jesus as a model for time management. So I think that makes this super unique. So to the moms out there, you know what moms face. You're, you're raising young kids now. So talk to us a little bit about how this might apply to parenthood in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think whether you're working inside or outside of the home, we all can admit that our life is noisier than ever before. We are living in what C.S. Lewis's devil screw tape called the kingdom of noise. And this stands in stark contrast to the way of Jesus. The third principle of the book is modeling Mm -hmm. Jesus's ability to dissent from the kingdom of noise. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we need less noisy lives to think strategically about parenthood and about our work. We need less noise to be creative and most importantly, to listen to the voice of God, right? So there's 32 practices in this book. Nine of them are in this one chapter on dissenting from the kingdom of noise. Uh, and as parents, the ones that have been most influential for me, just real quick, you know, number one, I have learned to attain some level of independence from social media. I'm not one of these people that says we have to, you know, delete our social media accounts in order to redeem Mm -hmm. our time. I don't think that's true, but we do need to be independent from them. And listen, I've tried everything that other busy parents have tried, uh, screen time limits, you know, dragging Instagram to a folder on the third page of my iPhone. Yeah. It's not working. (laughs) Right. Like these, like these things are band-aid solutions. Right. So, uh, so here's one like hyper-practical practice for the book. I started deleting and reinstalling Instagram for my phone every single day. And it is an enormous pain in the butt. Yeah. But that's the point. (laughs) That's the whole (laughs) point. Because here's the deal. Like when I'm with my kids, especially at the end of the day, right? When I've been working all day and my willpower is depleted, I cannot handle the temptation 
Oh boy. Not to yeah. pull. I, am I, I don't think I'm on an island here, right, Monica? No, right? Like, no. It's too strong. So that's one practical tip. I just delete it, reinstall it every day. I go in, check in with friends, post something, and then I leave. I exit the kingdom of noise as quickly as I possibly can. Wow. Okay, that's really cool. All right, here's another one. Really small, really easy. Just stop filling the crevices of your day with noise. And by crevices, I mean standing in Starbucks for three minutes waiting for your coffee. Be the one person in line not looking at your phone. Or you have a seven-minute errand to run in your car. Don't play a podcast. Just okay, sit I there. loved that. I, Just listen. Okay, yeah. Just listen okay. to the silence. Yeah. <laughs> I am so all about maximizing my time. When I'm in the car, I'm like, okay, I'll leave a Voxer message. I'll call my mom. But I love when you when I read that in your book, I was like, okay, you know what? How healthy is that? <laughs> you can, it's possible to just drive for seven minutes without any noise. And listen to this. Like again, when you look at the gospel biographies, this is the print. This is one of the principles that just leaps off of the page. Gee, the 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 number of times. It says Jesus withdrew to lonely places or solitary places is staggering, right? Yeah. And if Jesus mm-hmm. needed that to think and to hear his father's voice, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing? We have got to cultivate this discipline. Okay. So I love this so much. For me personally, as I'm working on a next book myself, I know that my thoughts come to me when I'm out walking our trails in, you know, alone, when I'm in a hot shower, not in a hurry. Those are the times the thoughts come. And I'm thinking as you're speaking of our poor children, and if we allow them to fill their every moment with a screen, with activity, when does their brain get to do that? And when does it get to potentially hear from God and have thoughts and creative ideas. I'll tell you what, Monica. So I'll I'll tell you something happened this weekend. My seven-year-old Ellison was just like sitting in her chair downstairs doing nothing. I noticed it after a few minutes and I reprimanded her. I said, Ellison, stop being bored. Go do something. And I stopped myself. I'm like, (laughs) you know what? Like, no, like whatever. Go back to your chair. If you want to sit there and be bored for a few minutes, knock yourself out. I was reading C.S. Lewis's biography. And um, his biographer talked about how Lewis grew up in rainy Ireland in the early 1900s. There was mm-hmm. nothing to do, right? And, he, and the biographer pointed out that it was that boredom that allowed Lewis and his brother Warney to create these magical worlds, worlds that eventually, as we know, led to Narnia, right? Boredom is essential to creativity, right? And having good ideas and having good thoughts and hearing God's voice, but we're eradicating, intentionally eradicating boredom from our lives and the lives of our kids. And we've got to be intentional about not doing that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I I share in my book, Boy Mom, that my oldest, I have two boys in college and then two at home still. And the college boys were raised in a time where there was some technology, but nothing like it is today. And one of their primary practices as kids was they would go outside and they played a game they called imagination. And they literally created stories and they acted them out and they had this ongoing story in their imagination that they did together. And then I look at my youngest son, who's just 11, and it does make me sad because I think every time he's bored, he'll find a screen, you know, unless I stop him, which that's what I want you to address next. If you've got any tips for parents, because I think if we don't stop them, they're just so easy. They're so accessible. They're so entertaining. I don't blame kids. If I was 11 and there were 
screens available, I'm sure I would have done the same thing, but I don't want him to miss out on what his older brothers had. Yeah. So, so any, I, any tips? I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So, and my kids are still young enough to where, you know, we're exerting quite a bit of control over yes. screen time. Right. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. One thing that my wife and I are very intentional about right now is setting strict quote unquote screen time limits on ourselves uh, in a way that our kids can see and respect. My kids never, ever see me on my phone. Ever. 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 Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Very simple trick. The end of my, I work at home, end of my day, five o'clock PM. I come downstairs. There you go. I come downstairs. I take my phone and I put it in our master bathroom and I do not touch it uh, from five o'clock PM until my kids go to bed at 7 15 PM. And here's why I put it away because there's lots of studies that have shown that simply having your phone in the same room as you creates mm-hmm. anxiety. And if it's in my pocket, forget about it. I'm checking it the oh whole time. Goodness. Even once I have deleted Instagram from my phone for the day, right? Yeah, uh, yep. It's killer. And so I keep the phone in there from five to seven 15. Uh, and it's a, it's a game changer. I'm able to be fully present on my kids. Now, if you're in a season of life where there are people that you absolutely need them to be able to get a hold of you during that time, you can still do the same thing. Here's here's one tweak to make. Put the VIPs in your life, your boss, your team, your elderly parents on the favorites list on your phone, right? Put yeah. your phone on do not disturb and turn the volume on and you've temporarily converted your cell phone to a landline, essentially. Ooh. I'm saying Whoa. I'm keeping it in my bathroom. It uh-huh. is now a landline for the next two hours. The people who can reach me can reach me, but nobody else, no text messages, no notifications can get a hold of me while I am fully focused on my kids. Okay. That's so good. I love it. Yeah. Okay. There's something that I read last night that just totally resonated with me. And I'd love for you to expound on it a little bit. And that is the concept of the open loops that we have. And you defined open loops as a commitment you have made to yourself or others. And the way I understand it, and you can tell me a lot better than I can try to say it now, but these are just things that we haven't officially dealt with. So they're still kind of hanging open in our brains. Is that right? That's exactly right. So you probably experienced this in your life that Though some of the worst songs in the world are the ones that get stuck in your head the most. <laughs> totally. Right? Yeah. So there is a scientific explanation as to why. Uh, neurologists call it the Zygernick effect. And here's how it basically works. If you're listening to the radio or Spotify, who listens to the radio? If you listen to Spotify, <laughs> I'm not 90, I promise. If you listen to Spotify and a bad song comes on your playlist and you shut it off halfway or skip to the next song, your brain is treating the unfinished song as unfinished business. And so it continues to rehearse the song over and over in your head because you stopped at mid-track, right? The same exact thing happens to our commitments, right? Our open loops, right? So if you've got things that you know you need to do and they're only stored in your brain, your brain rehearses them in what neurologists call a rehearsal loop. It just keeps reminding you over and over again of this thing you got to do. But So here's the thing. Obviously, that ensures that we're going to drop the ball on things and our yes Mm -hmm. isn't going to be yes, like Jesus commanded, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But number two, all of these open loops create a phenomenal amount of anxiety and stress because our brains are not designed to hold that much information. But here's the freeing truth. You don't actually have to do 
and close all the open loops in your brain for that anxiety to subside. All you have to do is extract the open loops from your brain into a trusted system outside of your head, right? If you've ever been particularly overwhelmed, you're a week away from your wedding, or you were two days away from going on vacation, and you sat down and you just had to make a to-do list, you wrote everything down, you probably felt some relief after making Mm -hmm. that list, even though you didn't do a single thing, right? Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. the concept here. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, feeling that sense of euphoria that you just have everything that you've committed to do outside of your brain. That's what I teach in chapter two, so that our yes can be yes, and we can be less anxious just like Jesus. I love that so much. So practically speaking, I'm the one that wakes up at three in the morning and remembers that it's my friend's birthday in two weeks. And I haven't planned anything that it's my parents' anniversary coming up, even things that are far out. So would you say before bed, write these things down or what's, how do I, how do I just (laughs) close those loops? So it's a much, it's, it's, it's a more complicated answer that we probably have time for, but the first step, the most practical thing you do, you can do. Yes write them down in a place that you know you are a hundred percent confident you're going to come back to and check on a regular basis. And this is why I argue in the book, it's got to be one place. We have to stop placing open loops on a post-it here and a post-it there and a refrigerator sticker here and an email with are a star Are you looking at my desk right there. now? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I'm carrying into your soul. No, you have to commit to a single, what I call commitment tracking system. When you do that and all of your yeses are in one place, the anxiety gets significantly less. And in the this is a this is a pretty long chapter of the book, but I get real practical, not just not just about collecting the open loops, but how do you take those open loops that are fairly amorphous reminders mm-hmm. of what you need mm-hmm. to do and yep. define them into really well-defined projects and actions that you can actually do. Because most people's to-do lists are like doctor's appointment, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do Halloween. Like that, you know, that <laughs> you can't do Valentine's Day. You got to convert these things into really actionable stuff. And I teach you how in the book. Yes, I love that. And I love that you even included things like, what was it? Your wife mentioned something about a photo over your yeah. fireplace. Over our piano, yeah. <laughs> over your but, piano. Yeah, but you counted that. I counted that because- Tell us the about thing. it. The brain science, the brain makes no distinction between big and small commitments. So if I tell my girls, hey, girl, I, I, I did this last night. Real practical example. My kids said, uh, hey, can we have Minnie Mouse waffles next weekend? I said, yes, right? That's a, that's a seemingly small commitment, but my brain makes no distinction between that and the promise I made to my publicist to send him something uh, at the end of next week, right? Yeah. Those are all the same. And by the way, Here's the beauty of having a great commitment tracking system. My kids know if I put something on my to-do list, it'll get done hmm. every single time. In fact, last night, uh, Ellison, my, my seven-year-old, after I said, yeah, I'm going to uh, make Minnie Mouse waffles, she went ahead and did what she knew I was going to do for me. She says, Alexa, add Minnie Mouse waffles <laughs> next Saturday to Daddy's. So classic. <laughs> smart kid. I love that. We are keepers. We are keepers of the word when we are keepers of our word, right? And man, we're just making so many commitments in so many different locations 
text messages, conversations with our kids and spouses, email inboxes. It's overwhelming, right? It's way too much to handle. We've got to have simpler tools to collect all these open loops and let our yes be yes. Right. And you go real clearly and specifically into tools that you recommend people using, yeah. right? So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and as this is coming out right at the beginning of the new year, what better time to get some systems? I mean, no doubt I have said the words way too many times, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And I don't want to be one of those people that says it and doesn't do anything about it. Like, really, I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't actually enjoy it. And so I'm wide open to systems. And that's what I love is that you've gathered all of these things in one place. Okay, a couple more things, especially as they pertain to the new year. In chapter four, you mentioned five reasons why Christians ought to set more epic goals. And I I love uh, inspiring my kids to dream big and think big. And that's part of what I love about everything you talk about. So talk to us about that one. Yeah, five quick reasons. Number one, Ephesians 3.20 tells us that we worship the God who has the power to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, right? Do our goals reflect that? Like, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. like mine don't all the time and that's convicting mm-hmm. to me, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, in my experience, big goals are easier to achieve than smaller goals. I'll give a great example. When I was in college, My fellow public relations students at Florida State University, they were all competing for the exact same internships. There were like five PR firms in town. They all had one internship. And so all 50 of my classmates were all vying over the same five internships. I decided, you know what? I'm going to shoot for the moon. I applied Mm. for an internship at the White House and I got it. (laughs) And here's what was shocking to me. Like I got to the White House and fully expected for my peers to be just like so much smarter and more talented than my, uh, my peers at Florida state. They weren't at all. Right. Mm -hmm. They just had bigger, bigger goals. That was the Delta. Right. So that's the second reason. Uh, third reason, big goals make it easier to say no. When you're excited about what you said yes to, it makes it a lot easier to say no. Number four, big goals, recruit others to your cause. And by others, I'm including here, our kids, Yep. When we set big yes. goals for our families, mm-hmm. our kids get excited to get on board with totally. that. Totally, yeah. And lastly, as Christians, we know that regardless of the size of our goal, even if we fail entirely, we're still children of God, right? It is impossible to fail entirely because ultimately we have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is our mm-hmm. ultimate security net uh, yeah. as we go out and risk boldly in setting mm. these epic goals. Uh, that is so good. And I feel like that's kind of always been in my DNA is to shoot for things that I probably will never hit, but hey, I'm going to get closer than if I shot for something lower, right? That's exactly but, right. But what I love is what this does too in our parenting is it's just modeling. It's showing our kids that we're not afraid to go for big goals and you know that with God, all things are possible. And we people listening know my 17-year-old is a competitive surfer. And so just to tell him, it's okay. I, you're, you want to be a world champion. Go f- don't, don't ever t- make a smaller goal. Like if that's your heart's desire, if that's God's will, he's going to open that door. And then my 11 year old started golfing and right from the start, my husband was all in, which is one thing I love about my husband is he does nothing small. It's always like, okay, then we're going big and they're training every day. And I'm like, you know what, what a, what a great way to 
grow up knowing that there's, there is no limit. And, you know, we point our boys to the books and the inspirational role models, people that can show them that truly with God, all things are possible. So I love the epic goals. And in the beginning of the new year, what, what does your family do? I know your kids are still young, but how do you do the new year's thing? That's a, that's a really good question. So we don't do anything uh, special for the new year. We set big goals every single quarter. Uh, so every three months, um, I go on a personal retreat for one or two days. I set big quarterly goals, uh, for both my work as a writer and as my, as, as the husband and father and leader of our home, I then come back. And before we share the goals with the kids and get their input, Kara, my wife and I discuss them and refine those quarterly goals. And then we go to the kids like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? Does this make sense? And then we set goals with the kids, like for on an individual level, awesome. we put them on a little chart and measure them mm-hmm. throughout the quarter. It's, oh. and it's fun because they're a part of the process. Oh, I love that. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about your seventh principle is called eliminate all hurry. And it was influenced by John Mark Comer from his book, the ruthless elimination of hurry. But you put a finer point on the difference between being busy and being hurried. I love John Mark. He wrote a very generous endorsement for my book, redeeming your time. What I think is missed in the title of his book Mm. is the nuance between busyness and hurry. And I think this nuance is everything, right? Busyness is an outward condition, right? It's a condition of the body. We have a lot going on. We're doing a lot. Hurry is this inner condition, this condition of the soul, right? So to make this really practical, busyness is when my family has a lot of things on our calendar, Right. We have a wana at church on Wednesday nights. We have piano lessons and violin and gymnastics. Hurry is when all those things on our calendar is scheduled so closely together that we're sprinting from one thing mm. to the next without time to listen to each other or hear mm. our own thoughts. Right. Ooh. Busyness is when I got a lot of errands to run. Hurry is when I get mad about choosing lane three instead of lane four at the grocery store because I don't have 30 seconds to spare, right? So, you know, in the Gospels, Jesus was crazy busy. There's one scene in which his family said he was so busy they thought that he was out of his mind. He was Mm -hmm. out of his mind busy, right? (laughs) But he was never hurried. He was never busy in a way that made him angry or anxious or frantic. Mm. And to me, that's the fine line between busy and hurry. We should embrace productive busyness and having full lives, but never to the point where it allows us to cross over to hurry, where we're angry, short with each other, uh, anxious, and just frantic about the way we we go about life. Okay. That's huge. I think that's, that is a really important distinction. So, well, I am super excited about your book. I want my whole family to read it. Uh, before we sign off here, tell people just where they can find and follow you for those few hours for that window of time that you're on Instagram. If people want to, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's real easy. It's just at Jordan Rayner everywhere. Lots of free resources at jordanrainer.com to help you connect the gospel to whatever work you're doing inside and outside of the home. We'll also have a link there to the children's book, which I think Mm -hmm. you guys, your audience in particular is going to love. Yes. Yeah. Lots of good stuff coming. 
So awesome. Well, I sure appreciate you taking time to encourage us as we uh, head into the new year and want to redeem our time and make 2022 perhaps a whole different picture than the last couple of years and, and really use the time we have. If we're stuck inside, if we're out wherever we are, redeem our time to God's glory. So thank you, Jordan, so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Monica. Right, guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation and you will find links to everything we talked about over in show notes, which can be found at monicaswanson.com. I hope you will share this podcast episode with your friends. You can take a screenshot right there of your phone, put it in your Instagram stories, or just text it over to a friend. Let them know what we're doing over here. Hope you're encouraged and inspired and ready to have an awesome 2022 ahead. So guys, thanks again. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Yeah. Uh-huh.